Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to see how he singles out one part of the Lord's Prayer for special emphasis, which means it's probably pretty important. Out of all the parts of the Lord's Prayer, he points out one part of that, and he focuses on that. And it's probably the last one you would have expected him to focus on, but it's pretty important. And it's important because it talks about how our prayers can be blocked. Now, we've talked in the past, not counting today's, what we're going to look at today, but what are some ways that we've seen that our prayers can be blocked, that when we try to communicate with God, there's a wall up, we put walls up. What are some ways that we can do that? Okay, sin, easy one, right? We talk, When we sin, that breaks our fellowship, and we've got to reestablish that, First John 1, 9, confess our sins. All right, sin, what's another way? Okay, doubt can block our prayers, yep. Okay, unforgiveness, now, you just gave it away. That's today's, all right? So yeah, today's is unforgiveness. She, she must have read ahead. Thank you, thank you. All right, disobedience, which we could tie to sin. Self, when we're, we're praying selfishly or, or we're looking out for self instead of what God wants. These are all different ways that our, our prayers can be blocked. But today, the big roadblock we're going to look at is unforgiveness, which we've already pointed out. But before that, let's, let's pray to get ready for this. Father, we come to prayer not able to earn your ear, but we come through the righteousness of Christ and because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And we know that our prayers can never be pure, pure enough for you to hear, but we know that through your grace you receive our prayers. You hear us. You want to communicate with us. You want to talk to us. And, Lord, here's a big one that we're going to look at today. I just pray that your spirit would convict us and give us the courage to take steps of faith to make whatever needs to be made right, whatever you lead us on, we pray that you would... Give us the the extra grace and extra faith and extra mercy to take these steps. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read the couple verses. It's right after Lord's Prayer. Jesus follows it up with, and remember back verse 12. I'll just back up to verse 12 where he says, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Then down back to verse 14, he goes into a little more detail. He says, For you, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. A couple of chapters ahead in Matthew 18, I think, is a great parable that Jesus tells that really brings out the force of this. In Matthew 18, verse 21, the parable of the unmerciful servant, he says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. 
When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and said, the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Ouch. Where's that nice, fuzzy, warm Jesus we all learned about in Sunday school, right? Uh, God forgives us of so much every day, all day long. I don't, know if, I don't know if you have this, but I, all day I have to ask, say, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me, all day long. Just kind of ongoing prayer. Mercy and grace, mercy and grace, right? He does that so we can and must forgive others who could never sin against us as much as we sin against our Heavenly Father. I don't know of anybody who sinned against me as much as I've sinned against God. It's impossible, <laughs> right? But... We have to, and, and when we're broken and humble before God, we realize his mercy and extend it to other people. No matter what they've done or are doing to us, we still, through God's grace, can forgive them. You think of Acts chapter 7, verse 59 and 60, when Stephen is being stoned. And it says, while they were stoning him, let me grab this one. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Here's a guy being murdered. And he's praying for forgiveness for the people killing him. That's, that's that surrendered, that total surrendered life that are all praying for and striving for, right? And, and aiming for. That's where we, we have to be. That's where God, Christ wants us on the forgiveness meter. And there's two different levels of forgiveness and, because there's two different ways of relationships. One is with Christian brothers and sisters. That's one level of forgiveness when we have to be reconciled as family. The other one is when we're dealing with someone who's not a Christian. Someone we might not even be friends with or have much of a relationship, but they can still hurt us, can't they? And there's two different ways. And I want to go back to Matthew 18 to talk about where he just talked about forgiveness. But in Matthew chapter 18, he gives us a way of handling if somebody's wronged us in forgiveness. He says in Matthew 18, verse 15, this is with a, with a, a Christian brother or sister. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if you will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So this is just leading into the unmerciful servant parable. So leading into that says how to handle. If someone wrongs us, who's a Christian brother or sister, we're told to go to that person and, and confront them. And hopefully they listen to us. We want them over. They ask for forgiveness. We forgive them. That's the whole point. 70 times 7. We just keep forgiving, forgiving. Keep making right. This is how God wants us to work it out. He wants us to keep our marriages, keep our families, keep our church relationships, our friendships. Keep them clean by keep talking to each other and keep working things out. Then it gets extreme. If, if the person's hardened, you go to the church and it's church discipline. But even then, the whole goal is 
reconciliation. The whole goal is to bring someone to repentance and to, to reconcile for the benefit of both parties. Sometimes church discipline is necessary, necessary, but even then we still have to have love and we still have to have hope that the person will come back. And, and, and God does work it. If we do it the biblical way and we have a, the right heart about us, it's amazing what will happen. Just this last couple of weeks, I've had two people come back that, that years ago were involved with church discipline with our church come back to me out of the blue one was a letter and one was got together with me and they both people said i'm i'm sorry you know i I was i was in sin i was in a bad place spiritually and what you said was was biblically right and and i asked for forgiveness and i was so happy to forgive them i was so happy i'd already forgiven them but i was so happy to say don't ever mention it again it's gone but even when someone is in a bad place, do we have that heart of waiting for them, praying for them, hoping that God will bring them to their senses and they'll escape from whatever is destroying them? That's the whole point of this, right? So that's with a, a, a brother, sister, Christian. But with a non-Christian, we can still do Matthew 18. We can try to talk it out. But usually, they aren't real repentant. If someone's not a Christian... Typically, I'm just going to say typically, typically you're not going to see repentance and and don't expect an apology. I tell people all the time, listen, don't, don't wait around waiting for an apology from this person because without God's mercy and grace, we can't see our faults, right? And without God's mercy and grace, we can't come to our senses. So don't, don't be sitting there waiting for this. Uh, because the world has a whole different way of handling when, when they are, how they handle their enemies and how they handle people who they don't like. In fact, I saw a quote, a history quote. 18th century Spain, there was a prime minister called, named Narvez. And Narvez, when he was on his deathbed, the priest came to him and said, do you forgive all your enemies? Because he wanted him to get everything right between him and God. And he said, I don't have to. I had them all killed. And that's kind of how the world treats people... They don't like, right? Take no prisoners, you know, blot them out. And if you can't literally kill them, then put up a wall and you're dead to me, right? That whole wall thing that we've talked about recently. But having said that about someone who doesn't know Christ and doesn't have the Holy Spirit's help and the mercy and grace to do this, that doesn't mean that we still shouldn't forgive them because it's still important because forgiveness is for us. Forgiveness is for us. Forgiveness frees us. See, when we don't forgive somebody, say somebody who's not a Christian and they've done something terrible to us that we think is terrible, and we don't forgive them and we keep replaying that, guess what we're doing? We're allowing them to hurt us over and over and over again. And they, what they did the first time is repeated daily because we will not let that go. We won't forgive it. We allow them to keep on injuring us. But the forgiveness here with, with, an, with this person who we aren't going to be able to reconcile with, at least for now, it's a different kind of forgiveness. This forgiveness is what I would call let go and let God. Let go and let God forgiveness. It's not because they're coming and asking for forgiveness like Matthew 18. It's not because they've seen their faults. It's not because they want to make it right. It's because... We are saying, God, I'm going to leave it in your hands. I'm going to put it into your hands. In fact, in the book Victory Over Darkness, which, by the way, you can get, them, get the books out on the shelf there. They're all out there. In Victory Over Darkness, it has a great, by Neil Anderson, it has a great chapter. Chapter 11 it has a great chapter on forgiveness. I'm just going to read a few highlights that I've highlighted in this chapter because he makes some, there's many books on forgiveness, but I really like the way he handles it. He says, 
an important step in resolving past conflicts is to forgive those who have offended you. First, forgiveness is required by God, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. He points one of them out. Second, forgiveness is necessary to avoid entrapment by Satan. Paul encouraged us to forgive in order that no advantages be taken us by Satan, Second uh, Corinthians 2.11. Third, forgiveness is required of all believers who desire to be like Christ. What is forgiveness? This is good. Forgiving is not forgetting. Yeah, I'm going to say that one again. Forgiving is not forgetting. Forgetting may be a long-term byproduct of forgiving, but it ne- is never a means to forgiveness. A lot of people wait, well, I can't forget this. You don't have to forget to forgive. Some things you will never forget. But that's not part of the, pro- part of the equation here. He says, forgiveness does not mean that you must tolerate sin. I can forgive someone... But what am I supposed to do when I see that person next week and they're still hurting me? Let them keep ruining my life? No. Forgiving someone doesn't mean you must be a doormat to the person's continued sin. Uh, You have to confront somebody lovingly and firmly. He said it's okay to forgive another's past sins and at the same time take a stand against future sins. So you understand that? We talked about this last couple weeks too. When you forgive someone, it doesn't... First of all, we don't put up a wall because you say, when you put up a wall, you say, you're dead to me. I don't care. I don't ever want to see you again. I don't want to talk to you again. As far as I'm concerned, you're dead. That's a wall, okay? Can't even do that with our enemies. But we can put up boundaries. Boundaries, okay? And boundaries are okay. Boundaries are healthy. So even if we forgive someone, doesn't mean we just let them keep on hammering away at us, right? But it does mean, it could mean that we have to put up some healthy boundaries, okay? So that's part of the process, too. Forgiveness does not seek revenge or demand repayment for offenses suffered. You let them off your hook, realizing that God does not let them off his hook. God will make everything right in the end. When we forgive someone who's really hurt us, who we can't reconcile with, they're not going to ask forgiveness, when we forgive them, we're not saying... We're not saying they're never going to have to face the consequences of what they've done. We're just saying it's not going to come from us. We're letting go of that person and putting them into God's hands. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Remember? And we're saying I'm going to let go and let God have this person. I'm not going to carry the bitterness. I'm not going to carry the anger. I'm letting this go. Forgiveness means resolving to live with the consequences of another person's sin in reality, you will have to live with the consequences of the offender's sin whether you forgive that person or not. The only real choice is to live with those consequences in the bondage of bitterness or in the freedom of forgiveness. And then he goes on to give 12 steps to, to forgiveness. Number one, ask the Lord to reveal to your mind the people you need to forgive. And one of the most overlooked people are God and yourself. We need to forgive ourselves many times. We also need to release God from those false expectations. Number two, acknowledge the hurt and the hate. It's okay to say, God, I hate this person. He already knows. We can be honest with him. It says, it is not a sin to acknowledge the reality of your emotions. It's okay to to share how you're feeling, really feeling. It's very important to do that with God. Number three, understand the significance of the cross. Number four, decide you will bear the burden of each person's sin and not retaliate in the future. 
Number five, decide to forgive. It's a, it's a crisis of the will. Forgiveness is a crisis of the will. We have to make that decision. Number six, take your list to God and pray the following. I forgive X, Y, and Z for X, Y, and Z. Uh, you might need a Christian counselor to help you. And he says, don't say, I want to, for, I want to forgive so-and-so, or Lord, help me forgive so-and-so. That is bypassing your responsibility and choice to forgive. Number seven, destroy the list. You're now free. Don't tell the offenders what you've done. Don't go to them. Write them off. I've forgiven you. Don't do that uh, unless God opens the door, obviously. Forgiveness may lead you to be reconciled to others, but it's not a guarantee. Number eight, do not expect your decision to forgive will result in major changes in the other person. may not change them one little bit, but guess who it will change? Moi, Right? Number nine, try to understand the people you have forgiven, but don't rationalize their behavior. Number ten, expect positive results of forgiveness in you. In time, you will be able to think about those people without triggering those primary emotions. But don't pick up the old offenses again and keep replaying them. Number eleven, thank God for the lesson you have learned and the maturity you have gained as a result of the offense and your decision to forgive them. Number twelve, Be sure to accept your part of the blame for the offenses you have suffered. And realize that if someone has something against you, you must go to that person and be reconciled. And there's more in this, obviously, but it's a great chapter on forgiveness. And and very helpful, I think very, very helpful. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us this morning? I know as I was preparing for this last two, three weeks, kind of looking ahead, studying ahead, praying, the Holy Spirit was really convicting me, and it was amazing how many people that God brought to mind that I needed to forgive. It's been like this continuous flow. God, I forgive this person. Please forgive me. And just constant. I mean, it's amazing how many of you, no, no, nobody here, but how many, uh, how many people I've had to to forgive. You know, it's like I didn't realize how much I was holding, but as I was praying, the Holy Spirit started showing me more and more people. And it's just it's just amazing. Who is blocking my prayers? What is blocking our prayers this morning? Who or what is blocking us? Who do we need to forgive and to keep forgiving? Because the consequences of what they've done, you might forgive them today, but tomorrow the consequences are still there, and we need to forgive them all over again. It's a, a daily decision to keep on forgiving. Am I free? Are we free today? Are we free? I recently, God brought several people to mind recently in the last six months that I needed to forgive, and I actually tried to reconcile with both of them, both people, and I reached out. And one person, I was completely reconciled by talking and forgiving each other. and completely. The other person, not so much. But you know what? I'm free. Even though one person didn't really, I don't sense forgive, forgive or accept forgiveness or whatever had to happen in our relationship. I can now think of that person without feeling like, oh God, I should be doing something here. Because now I, I know I have forgiven them and asked for forgiveness. And if they can't or won't, I still feel free. That's like a rock that's taken out of, out of the way between God and I. I. It doesn't matter how they respond. I know I did what I had to do. And we can be free no matter what someone else does. However they respond, we can be free. Are we free? Have I really let go and let God? 
Have we really done that with, with everyone? Have I let go and let God? Here's a test. You have this enemy who's done something terrible and we think we've forgiven them. What if we hear something bad has happened to them? They lost a house, a job, something, one of their kids gets arrested. Uh, something bad happens to them. They're sick. How do we respond? Oh, they finally got it. That's not a good sign, is it? Uh, or we, keep re- we, we, we replay that past injury. We keep replaying that. Remember, remember those record players? Some of you, anybody here remember record players, right? And some of you, some of you, so the kids are like, what's that, you know? It's the dinosaurs, you used to have them with the dinosaurs. But these, these record players, and remember we, I remember playing these records, and every once in a while you get like that bad needle, and you'd have the record playing, and it would start spinning, and it would get stuck on that same spot, remember? And it would just keep spinning and, and digging into my, my record. It's ruined, you know. Because, because if you didn't catch it in time, it would just dig a groove into that record, right? And then anytime you played it, as soon as you started playing that song again, went right to that groove and got stuck there again. You know, that bad noise, that horrible noise, right? A lot of us do that with forgiveness, don't we? With injuries that happen to us. We keep putting that same record on, and we let it play to that spot where we got hurt. And we let that needle dig a little deeper. And every time we play it, it gets a little deeper and a little deeper. And it just keeps digging a deeper rut into that groove, into to our, our memory, that record that we keep. <clears throat> it's really important that we, that's a sign that we haven't forgiven, that we have to let go and let God. You know, I'm a history buff and I love to read history. And I was, General Robert E. Lee, Civil War, <laughs> greatest probably the greatest general in the history of our country. Uh, he, after the war, after the Civil War, he was visiting a woman in Kentucky who took him to the remains of her house. And, and her house, the house was okay, but she had a beautiful giant tree that was the pride of their family, this gigantic tree. And she said, look at what these Yankees have done to my tree with their cannons. And they had shot off a lot of the branches and, and killed it. It was going to die. It was a mess. And she looked to Lee for a word of sympathy or condemnation of those, those federal soldiers. And he had a brief silence and he turned to her and he said, Cut it down, my, mere, my dear madame, and forget it. Cut it down and forget it. And that's good, that's good advice for all of us, isn't it? To cut it out of our life and to forget it. To be free. But it's really tough, isn't it? It takes daily grace, and it takes a lot of prayer, especially when the consequences keep rearing their ugly head. You know, we keep having to live with the consequences of what has happened. It takes a lot of prayer. And I want to take a little time for prayer here as we go into communion to prepare our hearts, because as we go to communion and we take the, the bread, which represents the body of Christ and the cup represents the blood of Christ. And we're remembering that how Jesus died on the cross for us, for our sins. And that by putting our faith in Jesus, we can be forgiven for those sins and have a relationship, can have communion with God, his father, and who becomes our father at that time. Forgiveness is what this is all about. It's all about forgiveness, how we have been forgiven. But before we can commune with God and ask for mercy, we must grant mercy to other people and restore communion with our Christian brothers and sisters. 
And in just a little bit after our prayer time, we're just going to open it up. Um, after our quiet time of prayer, I'm just going to come up and, and open, open up the, the, the cup and the bread there, and the music will start to play. And that's kind of our hint, you know, that if you're ready, if you want to, you can just come up and take it back to your seat or back with somebody or up front or however you want to take communion. This is between you and God, with your family, by yourself, however you want to do it with somebody. But if, if during this time, if you know that there's something in our life that's not right, I would encourage you not to take communion, to wait to make it right. But I hope that through this prayer time, we will release and forgive and, and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Also, if we've never put our faith in Christ yet, this is also not, this is time just to wait, wait till you take that step. But I hope this morning you'll take that step of faith and put your faith in Christ because not only as Christians can our relationship be blocked, but if you've never put your faith in Christ, your, relate, your connection with God is totally blocked. There's this giant wall of sin and disobedience and garbage in between us and God for every one of us. We're blocked from a relationship with God because of that sin. But Jesus came, lived the perfect life, was our substitute went on the cross to pay our, for our sin. He took our punishment, our sin upon himself, and by his blood washed our sins away. If we will put our faith in him, our trust in him, if we will give our life to him, turning away from that sin by through repentance, putting our faith in Jesus Christ, if we will take that step, we can be connected to God. And I hope that today, this morning, you'll be able to take that step. Let's go to prayer, and I'll just start us off with a little bit of a prayer time, and then we'll just leave some quiet time. And during the quiet time, you may want to just pray in your seat. You may want to get with a couple other people and pray. You might want to come up front. I'll have a couple of our leadership team men and women up front if you need someone to pray with, because, because it's not just blocked this way, but there might be some other blocks in your life, some other areas that you just really need God's, need someone to pray with you and say, help you breakthrough in some way spiritually. That's what we're all here for. We're all here for each other to help with that. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us on this communion Sunday as we get ready to commune? Maybe we have no relationship with God yet because we're totally blocked because we've never put our faith in Jesus. But this morning, right here, right now, you can take that step of faith. You can pray that prayer of faith, right where you're sitting. This is between you and God. Just pray something like, God, I want that relationship with you. I want you to be my father. I want you to be my God. I want to be your child. And I believe you gave your son Jesus to die on that cross in my place. For my sin. And I repent of my sin. And put my faith. My hope. My trust in Jesus Christ. I give my life to you God. If you've prayed that prayer. If you do pray that prayer. You have just become a son or daughter of God through his son Jesus. 
And you now can commune with him anytime the wall has come down. His spirit is actually living inside of you. And you can commune and talk to him anytime. He wants that. And you can start by communing by taking communion this morning to remember what has happened inside of you. If you've taken that step, take communion, but also let somebody know. Let me know. Let somebody know you've taken this step so that we can encourage you and be excited for you and encourage you in your new relationship with God. For those of us who are already Christians, but we know there's some blockage. <laughs> Just like arteries can be blocked, our spiritual arteries can be blocked. And maybe it's the unforgiveness the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about. Someone we need to forgive. Someone we might even need to go to and make something right. Whatever the Holy Spirit says, they bring us to mind just to, just to release whatever needs to be released. Whether it's reconciliation or letting go and letting God. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe this morning we just need some extra prayer. Maybe we just need help connecting to God. We're going to have some people up front. I'll be up front or the people up front. But, or you want to pray with somebody just sitting near you. However God leads. But maybe there's other ways that you feel blocked spiritually. And we just need someone to, to pray with. Or just with God. It's just between you and God. However the Holy Spirit leads. Just going to leave this time quiet now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead us in this prayer time and in this communion, that your spirit would lead us to commune with our Father through Jesus.